The scripture that was read came from the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, and the 28th through to the 31st verses. I do want to just lift up the 31st verse, which reads, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Before I begin to unpack this text, I would like us to listen carefully to a brief story. The story goes, a man was driving his car when he saw an old lady stranded on the side of the road. He saw that she needed help, so he stopped his Pontiac and pulled it up close to her Mercedes and got out. He smiled while he was approaching her, but still she was worried, as nobody had stopped for her for hours. Moreover, this man, he did not look quite safe. His appearance was shabby, and he looked a little ruddy. But he could see how frightened she was, so he tried to calm her, and he said to her, Ma'am, I am here to help you. Please don't worry. My name is Brian Anderson. The tire was flat, so he crawled under the car, and while changing the tire, he got dirty and his hands were hurt. When the job was done, she asked, how much do I owe you for this help? And Brian smiled, and he said to her, if you really want to pay me back, if you really want to pay me back, the next time you see someone who needs help, give that person the needed assistance and think of me. The same evening, the lady stopped at a small cafe the place looked quite dingy. Then she saw a waitress, nearly eight months pregnant. Wiping her wet hair with a towel, the waitress was busy trying to meet the needs of the clients and customers in the cafe. The waitress had a sweet, friendly smile, although she had spent the entire day on her feet. The lady wondered how someone who has so little could be so kind and giving to strangers. Then she remembered Brian Anderson. The lady had finished her meal and paid with a $100 bill. The waitress went to get the change, and when she came back, the lady was gone. The lady left a note on the napkin saying, you don't owe me anything. Somebody once helped me, and just like now, I'm helping you. If you really want to pay me back, do not let the chain of love end with you. The waitress found 400 more dollars under the napkin. That night, the waitress went home, and when she went home, she was thinking about the lady and the money she had left. She wondered how on earth would this lady know how much she and her husband really needed, especially now that the baby was soon to arrive. She knew that her husband worried about that, so she was glad to tell him the good news. She kissed him and whispered, now everything will be all right. I love you, Brian Anderson. It is a very popular saying in our culture that what goes around comes around. This simple phrase is a take on the biblical idea 
that whatsoever you sow, that you shall also reap. But the real reason why I shared this story is not so much to make the case for what goes around comes around, but really to highlight this issue and this idea of waiting. The story is clear that the waitress was pregnant, and between her and her husband, they were in dire need of some financial assistance. However, the blessing did not come from an active decision to go out and make something happen. The blessing came directly from the generosity of someone else. Brian and his wife just happened to be going about their own business as usual, perhaps waiting for God to show up. Likewise, in a very similar way, we all read the text in Isaiah with the same sentiment. And if we learn to just wait on the Lord, despite what we are going through, then he too will meet us where we are and pronounce to us a blessing. For the text clearly says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, if you simply wait on God, you will walk, you will run. You will fly. You will not get tired. You will have the strength to endure if you wait on God. All of that sounds good, but I'd like to take a really different look at the word wait this afternoon and perhaps give you a new way of understanding what the prophet Isaiah might have meant when he said wait, and especially on this day that you celebrate the anniversary and the annual day of ushers, a day of service, I'll be speaking a message simply titled, Our Waiter, Our Waiter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this preaching hour. Thank you, Lord, for the introduction that sets up now the preaching of your word. Spirit of the living God, you know what your people need to hear. And so, Lord, we pronounce now your blessings upon the Carter Community AME Church under the leadership of their pastor, under the leadership of their first lady, under the leadership of a family that knows what it is to wait on the Lord. Now, Lord, we pray your blessings upon that entire church community. We pray for the ushers as they celebrate and honor this usher annual day. And may, Lord, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, stir their spirits to the place where they understand what it actually means to wait upon you. We have waited, Father. Now, Spirit of the living God, move now by your might, by your power, and by your spirit, and fill us now with your Holy Ghost power that we may wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a companion scripture, I'd like us to look at Galatians, the sixth chapter, and the seventh through the ninth verses. It reads, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As I stated before, we reap what we sow. This is a principle that we need to understand. 
And if this principle is true, then the reverse of it must also be true. That is, you cannot reap what you did not sow. You can only get out what you put in. This is a principle of life and nature, and it is irrefutable. So if we believe that this is true, then how can waiting on God be of any value? I dare say that many of us here have done a lot of sowing. We work hard. We take care of our families. We love our neighbors. We pay our taxes. We offer our tithes and our offerings. We share our possessions. You name it, we've done a lot of sowing in our lives. We've also done a lot of waiting. Many of you have been really faithful ever since coming to Christ and have turned your lives around in honor of him. You have sowed and you feel like you have been standing on the sidelines of life watching everyone and everything around you become even more blessed even though you know that folks are probably not caring too much about God. But yet, you continue to wait. Is this what God intended? Is this what the prophet actually means? For us to pour out our lives in sacrifice for him and then simply wait to get our blessing. Many of us are sitting on the sidelines, as I said, waiting for God to move in our lives. Waiting for God to turn something around. Waiting for God to do something supernatural that will make it seem for us that all the sowing that we have been doing was not in vain. Wait. But the truth is, a blessing may or may not happen in our lifetime. Case in point, the Bible tells us that Abraham was told he would be blessed like the stars of the sky and the sands of the shore. But he did not live to see it happen. All he saw was Isaac, a promise that took 25 years to fulfill. Wait. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt to the edge of the promised land. But he himself was not permitted to enter. How is this a blessing? Better still, let's look at one of my favorite chapters in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and indulge me for a moment as I read the 24th through the 39th verses. Listen and lend me the ears of your heart. The text reads, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. Wait. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith. Rahab, the harlot, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? 
for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection and others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin, in goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, subject to police brutality, chanting Black Lives Matter in the middle of the street, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. All these, the text tells us, all these, having gained approval through their faith, here it is, did not receive what was promised. So the bottom line here is simply this. What good does waiting really do? Especially if you do not get to enjoy what God has promised. What purpose does waiting really serve? The dictionary defines the word wait as this. To stay where one is or delay action until a particular time or until something else happens. In other words, it is to hope and to expect. It is a posture of passivity where there is no activity being invested in making something change in your life. Now, this idea of waiting appears repeatedly through the book of Isaiah. And many scholars agree that the context is consistent with the dictionary meaning. That is, to not do something until something else happens. That's waiting. To not do something passive until something else happens. This is what it literally means to wait. But personally, I think that there could be another sense in which the prophet Isaiah has in mind when he mentioned the word wait. You don't have to agree with it, and you certainly don't have to accept it, but I would like you to just consider it if it makes sense to you. The first thing we need to remember is that God is not a passive God. That's the first thing. God is an active God. God is always doing something. God is not waiting for something to happen. God is always in the business of stepping out and doing something before something else happens. That's the first thing we need to understand about God. He is engaging. He's very proactive and he does not expect his children to simply be passive either, just waiting for things to happen. I once heard that there are three kinds of people in the world. There are those that things happen to, there are those that watch things happen, and there are those that make things happen. God's children should be the third kind of people who do not sit around idly waiting for something to happen. 
Our faith in God is active, and we know this to be true, for as James tells us, faith without works is dead. So, if we are created in the image of God and bear his name, then neither can we be passive as he is not passive. So how are we to interpret the text, Pastor? There seems to be a contradiction here in the text, Pastor. Help me understand what the prophet Isaiah was really talking about. For he says clearly, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The text seems to suggest that if we wait passively on the Lord, then perhaps we can have enough rest that we can walk, run, fly. But let's look again at Galatians. Because everything in scripture has to make sense. Everything in scripture has to line up. So, so could Isaiah really mean passively wait for God when Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not, here it is, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap our reward if we faint not. Sowing means you are doing something. You are actively involved in trying to have or reap a harvest. Furthermore, Paul says, do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap. So again, well-doing is not passive. It is not saying sit still on the sidelines and wait for the great by and by and for God to come and bless you. Paul is saying you got to be busy, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's not a passive stance. It's not waiting for God to move. It is for you to step out on faith and to do something. Brian Anderson, in the story that I read, was not passive when he helped the lady on the road. He was actively serving someone else. His wife, the waitress, was not passive either. She was actively kind to the lady who was moved to bless her in immeasurable ways. The, the point is, she was humbly serving and ready to do the lady's will. She waited on the lady, hence the term waitress. Now, now, now to emphasize this point a little more, I want to sit here for a little bit. To emphasize this point a little more, let us take a very familiar look in the episode of Jesus' ministry found in Luke, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Listen to this carefully. Watch this, brothers and sisters. Now, as they were traveling along, he, meaning Jesus, entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? Here it is, all the serving alone. Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part 
which shall not be taken away from her. What Mary demonstrated in this text is a posture of waiting on the Lord. Much like being in a restaurant and being served by a waiter. You see, we use the term waiter to describe someone that serves us. And in the context of Mary waiting on the Lord, which Jesus says is the good and better part, it was a picture of worship and anticipation of instruction. It is not passive. It is not a passive posture. It's an active posture of worship. Worship is active. So, so, my brothers and my sisters, if I were to transliterate the prophet Isaiah and his text, if I were to transliterate what he meant by wait, the text would sound something like this. Allow me to uh, indulge me for a moment. But they that worship the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, I'm not saying they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, which is passive. I'm saying they that worship the Lord shall renew their strength. It's an active work. It's a way of saying I am doing something that while it may seem like I'm not sowing anything, I'm sowing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am worshiping. I am waiting on him in the very same way that a waiter waits on you in a restaurant, that a waitress waits on you in a restaurant. They are actively serving you. It's the very same way that the ushers, when you come into the church, they are leading you to your seat. They are waiting on you. They are worshiping God by waiting on you. That's what the text means. They that worship the Lord, they that wait on the Lord, they that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up on wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. The text begins in the 20th verse. It says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. In other words, it's almost like Isaiah is saying, if you don't know, you better ask somebody. Don't you know who the Lord is? Don't you know who he is? Do, do you know who God is? Furthermore, don't you know that he is from everlasting and that he does not get tired and he knows all things? Don't you know that about God? Now what you need to know is that Isaiah is talking to a people of Israel who are in dire need of comfort and are truly struggling to endure during their current circumstances. They are much like us right now today who seeing all this police brutality, which, oh, by the way, is not new to us. We have been seeing this ever since the first people who were enslaved landed on the shores of these United States. We understand what it is to be serving and serving and worshiping and serving and still waiting for God to lend his mighty hand and deliverance. But I want to tell you, every person of African descent, it may seem like our work and our waiting is in vain, but for every blood that we shed, for every stripe that we felt, for every time that we were lynched, we were still doing in service to our God. 
We did not faint. We did not grow weary. We still persevere. We still push on. And we know that one day we shall overcome. So while others may think that we are passive just because we say nonviolence and we raise our hands and we say black lives matter, be very clear. We are not passive. We are active for we worship God and those that worship the Lord shall what? Renew their strength so that we can endure for the battle. For the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. But we will wait on the Lord. Isaiah. Isaiah powerfully portrays the awesome greatness of Israel's sovereign God in the power of the Holy One. Isaiah lets us know that God will enforce Obedience. God will blot out injustice. God will exercise kingly power. God will judge the earth. God will fulfill his covenant promises. God will be the one who brings all peace and order. That's what Isaiah says. But then suddenly, suddenly, Isaiah introduces a different theme. He says, wait a second, that same God, that you know is going to just do all this wonderful thing and to wipe out injustice, that same God will be a servant. That same God will serve, for this same God will be obedient. He will suffer injustice. He will not raise his voice in the midst of his accusers. He will become a covenant. He will be rejected by Israel. He will be mocked and he will be spit upon. But listen, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. And I don't know if I'm speaking prophetically or not, but I'm telling you right now, be very careful, America, for you are sowing something for which you shall eventually reap. For the children of God, the spirit of the African-American is not waiting passively. We are actively waiting with our worship. And our king is coming soon. Our king is coming soon. Jesus waited on God when he came to the earth, which was active. He suffered, but he will return in glory. Jesus endured crucifixion because it was an active posture, but he waited. But on the third day, by the activity of the resurrection, he mounted upon wings as eagles when he walked out of that borrowed tomb. He runs without being weary. And he walks without fainting. He lives. And because our Christ lives, my brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. You too and I too shall live. Black lives will matter and we will breathe again. This is good news for all of us. The Lord is the servant and the servant is the Lord. He is our waiter. Jesus is our waiter. When he came, not to be served, but to serve. He's our waiter. He waits on you, and he waits on me. He waits on those who are up. He waits on those who are down. He comes, and he gives of himself willingly as a lamb to the slaughter, waiting on you, not passively wondering if salvation will be yours, but waiting on you and me. That's who he is. He tells, he comes and he tells us to sit at his table as he humbly serves us his own life that we may live. This is my body. This is my blood. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. He is waiting on you 
and on me. This is the point of the message. Jesus is our waiter. My waiter and your waiter. He waited on the Father, and today he now sits at the right hand of God, waiting on you and on me. The question then becomes, will you take this opportunity to be like Mary and to wait also on him? For the way that I've used the term wait does not mean passivity. It means actively engaged in worship. Will you worship him today? I mean, not worship him just because we are singing and jumping and shouting. The problem with the church today in many ways is that many people are rushing to get back into the house of worship because they worship worship. But can you be remote wherever you find yourselves and still worship and wait on him? For if you can find it in your hearts to really get to the secret place of the Most High and to worship God in spirit and in truth, whether or not you are in a sanctuary or in a building, if you are able to get to that secret place, then the scriptures tell me that they that wait, they that worship the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and not faint. But we will have the opportunity and the ability to endure. So will you wait on him today? Will you wait on him today? For he waited on you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you all, my beloved. Thank you for the privilege to serve. And congratulations on your annual Usher Day. Amen.